We've reached chapter 4 of 1 John this morning, so I want to invite you to turn there, turn on your devices, turn in your bulletins. You'll also find it printed there for you. Today, John is going to warn us about true and false prophets, or as we would say today, true and false preachers. A prophet is simply a person, like a preacher, who speaks for God speaks God's word to the people. But guess what? Not everyone who stands in a pulpit is doing that. Not everyone who stands in a pulpit, even holding God's word, is truly a man of God. We actually read about this again and again in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. There's actually this story in 1 Kings 22. Now, in this day, Israel is divided. You have two kings. In the north, you have King Ahab, And then down in the south, you have the kingdom of Judah, Jehoshaphat, who's king. And Ahab decides to invite Jehoshaphat up to come see him. And he says, hey, Jehoshaphat, let's go to battle together against Syria. And Jehoshaphat says, okay, I think I like that idea, but let's first see what God has to say. So Ahab says, great. So Ahab rounds up 400 prophets and says, should we go to war? And all the prophets say together, Go! God is with you. You're going to crush Syria. All 400 of them. Jehoshaphat's like, That's great, but he's still a little wary. He says, "Uh, Ahab, do you have any other prophets? And Ahab says, Yeah. There's a guy named Micaiah, but he never says anything nice about me at all. Jehoshaphat says, Well, I want to hear him anyways. So, They send a messenger who brings Micaiah. Messenger brings him before the kings, the two kings and the 400 prophets and the army. The messenger says, Micaiah, all the prophets promise victory to our two kings. Let your words be as theirs. So Micaiah says, go, the Lord promises you victory. You're going to win. Ahab says, no, tell the truth, Micaiah. I want to know what you really think. Because Micaiah will speak the truth, and he knows this. So Micaiah says to everyone, you all had better go home right now, or you're going to be without a king. You're going to be scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And then he adds this. He says, and by the way, I saw the Lord God in his heavenly throne room. And I saw a lying spirit come up to the Lord and ask, would it be okay if I go and entice Ahab to do something bad? And the Lord says, go ahead, lying spirit, go off. See what's happening in this scene? At this point, one of the prophets walks up, strikes Micaiah in the face and says, you're not speaking on behalf. And Micaiah says, okay, we'll see what happens. Say, so lock up Micaiah. Jehoshaphat goes out to battle with Ahab, but now Ahab's really nervous. (laughs) Ahab says, uh, Jehoshaphat, will you stay in your kingly robes and everything else as we go out to battle? Me, I'm going to disguise myself. Now, Jehoshaphat, I don't think he's too bright because he agrees (laughs) with this. Sometimes you wonder. They go out to battle, and all the Assyrians go after Jehoshaphat and everything else. But there happens to be one archer on the Syrian side 
It says he just takes a bow and just decides, I'm just going to launch this arrow just at the whole, all the troops of Israel. Guess where that one arrow hit? Right between the breastplate and the armor of King Ahab. And he dies a slow and painful death, and the dogs lick up his blood. Because God's word from the prophet was true. Why do I tell you this gory story? Friends, because there are many false prophets today who will lead you astray in the name of the Lord. And we need to know what voices are actually speaking the truth to us so we don't end up like King Ahab. So let's ask God for help right now in that. Heavenly Father, we're coming to your word and we need you to bring the spirit of truth into this room and into our hearts and lives to give us ears to hear what you're calling us to do and be, to discern what is true about you so that we may actually know what to believe and how to serve you. So Father, we pray, make the preacher go away and bring Jesus into our midst, speaking words that will change all of us for the praise of your glorious grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now hear the word of our God from 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Therefore they speak. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. Then this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. There's a sucker born every minute. That's a quote often attributed to P.T. Barnum, the famous showman, the circus guy. He was known for creating hoaxes that drew large crowds and also made him a whole lot of cash. And Barnum's not the only one to figure out this out, how you can draw crowds and make money by hoaxes. In their heyday, the Beatles, they spread rumors that Paul McCartney had died in an automobile accident and they had replaced him with a lookalike who held his cigarettes in the wrong hand. 
Then fans began to discover rest in peace clues in the song lyrics and also in the artworks of the album covers. The Abbey Road cover shows the four Beatles in a mock funeral procession. And in the distance, there's this little VW bug with the license plate 28 if, suggesting that Paul McCartney had not reached that milestone birthday. As a teenager, I actually had a Sgt. Pepper shirt and I could hold up a mirror to the drum. If you hold it right at the midpoint, it would say, he die with an arrow pointing up to Paul McCartney where he was at on it. Now, if I had been alive back in 1966, I might have been led astray, heartbroken, because the Beatles were an amazing band, thinking Paul was gone. I think all of us in our lives, we have found ourselves gullible in situations with people hearing voices, and we have been tricked, discovering that this wasn't the reality. Friends, that's John's concern as he writes this letter, chapter 4 especially. You see, lies were being spread in his day, but the stakes were infinitely higher. Just decades after Jesus had died and been raised from the dead, false teachings about Jesus were already being spread. False prophets were saying that Jesus was not born in our flesh, that he was not human like us. The teaching is called docetism. It comes from the Greek word dokane, which means seems like but not really. Jesus Christ, they were saying, was not truly human. We're coming up on Christmas season. And you're actually going to see evidences of docetism if you'll be looking. What do you mean, Joel? Well, for example, every time you see baby Jesus in the manger with a halo over his head, that's communicating something. That Jesus is not like normal human babies. But friends, if Jesus is not fully human, if he only appears to be like us, then you and I are doomed. There's an ancient church father named Athanasius who said this, that which he has not assumed, he has not healed. Now this ancient father is saying something super important here. So listen, Athanasius is saying that Jesus had to assume every part of our humanity. He had to take on everything that you and I are. And you have body pains of any kind, something that doesn't work. If Jesus doesn't take on every part of our human frame, our hands, our feet, our brain, our mind, everything, that can't be healed. If Jesus doesn't have a human soul with a heart, with emotions, and you've been affected by traumatic things in your past, and if you have constant thoughts and selfish things you want to do, You've always been oriented the wrong way. If Jesus doesn't take on a human soul, that can't be healed. Jesus has to be fully human, just like you and I. Because if there's one part of our humanity that Jesus doesn't take on, if it isn't touched by God, by the divine, it can't be restored. That's what makes Christmas so wonderful. Christmas is the start of humanity's healing. Jesus became all we are by nature so that we can become all he is by grace alone. Understanding this truth is necessary to appropriating God's love. You see how this truth section comes before the famous love section? We'll come to that next week. 
John is showing us that truth about who Jesus is, is the very basis for which we can understand God's love and how much he loves us and then go out and love others. And we're about to enter a season where we're going to hear a whole lot about Christmas spirit, right? John is going to show us that we need the true spirit of Christmas if we want to know the real Jesus. That sets the plate, the spirit's speaking truth to relationship with him and the Father. You cannot have a relationship with a God you don't know. If you cannot acknowledge and appreciate how much he loved you and the reality of him sending his son, his only eternal begotten son, into our world to take on human flesh like ours. But we can't get that without the spirit of truth. We need the spirit of truth to teach us. And that spirit is the Holy Spirit. John introduced for the first time. If you remember at the end of last week, chapter 3, suddenly the Holy Spirit shows up for the first time. And now here in chapter 4, after hearing about the Holy Spirit, we hear that there's actually other spirits out there trying to trick us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. John is addressing these dear souls that he loves so much with two serious warnings. John first gives us a call to unbelief. A call to unbelief. Don't believe every spirit because they're false prophets. What's John talking about? Spirits. John is saying that there are preachers who are giving voice to demon teachings. Now that does not mean they're demon possessed. Maybe they are. I don't know. But it does mean that they have bought into the lies of the devil. Next chapter, verse 19, John will say the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. The world for John is of the devil. Do you notice the two contrasting phrases is important in verse 1? You have those who are from God and you have the world. Six times you're going to hear from God, six times the world. John is saying that there are many spirits who are not from God but are from the world. I think the world that got my attention as I was meditating on this text is the word many, many. You have many false prophets speaking for Satan, trying to trick us and using God's word. This has actually been Satan's go-to from day one in the Garden of Eden. Using others to twist God's truth. Satan used first what? A serpent. A serpent to speak on his behalf to trick our first parents. And this serpent, or Satan uses serpent to twist God's word. He took some truth, but then he distorted who God was. And Adam and Eve were deceived. And what happened when they took in the lie? Exiled from God's presence and brought into the land of death. You realize that there are folks right now who are sitting under preachers with their open Bibles, many people right at this very, very minute, who are, their preachers are taking and they're twisting God's word in order to deceive and to destroy people, whether they know it or not. Right now at this very minute, John said there were many in his days. I just quoted you from the Old Testament. There were many in Ahab's day. Is it any different today? Friends, there are many in our day too. You see them on TV. You see them in local churches. Do you know I visited churches 
for about two years, once a month, I visited churches in Elkhart to see how many actually proclaimed the gospel. Not many. Less than half. So here's the question. How do you know when you're hearing a false prophet? How do you know that I'm not a preacher speaking lies of the devil to you right now? Well, the first thing you need is a healthy skepticism. John says to you right now, don't believe Joel. Don't believe Joel. Test him. Test him. How do you test Joel? Well, step one is for you to be a Berean. Remember the Bereans in Acts 17 who heard Paul preach about Jesus and they're amazed. But then they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. One of my biggest passions is to encourage you to be in your Bibles. Don't let Pastor Joel know your Bible for you. Get a reading program. Take a verse a day, if that's all you can do, and just meditate on it. Roll it around in your palm, in your hand, all day long, and just meditate on that verse. Listen to a Bible app. We've got so many ways we can get the Bible in us today. We have such opportunity. If you get in your Bibles and you pray to God, give me understanding, show me Jesus, you will find that you're able to discern whose voice you're hearing. You'll be able to tell the difference between a counterfeit and the voice of the God that you want to love and serve. So here we go. How many of us have been memorizing our November verse? I got a few hands. All right, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I know it just started, just it's a new one. So let's all recite it again together. Our November verse is underneath our bulletin uh, text. Let's say together what Jesus says. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. John 14, 23. Dallas is over there on fire for this. I'm encouraged. How many of you here love Jesus? All right, a lot of hands. Who wants to love Jesus more and better? All right, amen. Jesus says you can love him by keeping his word, by guarding his word, by taking it in, which means you're in it. You're spending time in it. And wonderfully, Jesus says when you begin to love him, guess what happens? He's going to love on you. Do you believe that? When you spend time in the Word, learning how to love Him, He's going to love on you. You're going to discover actually the Father and the Son moving into your house, into your place, to be with you, walking with you, making a home in your heart. It's actually a commentary on verse 4. I almost used it there, but I decided to use it now, our memory verse. Maybe we'll come back to you. I don't know. It's just good to keep memorizing, saying God's Word, taking it in. But now let's move on to the main test. The main test, how we can know what spirit you're hearing. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Friends, there is something that is not of this world that we have to hear in order to know that it's the Spirit of God. The confession that Christ became man, flesh, full stop. That God became man, full stop. Let's back up. You remember how this letter here, John wrote, it started not like a letter at all? Go look through the New Testament epistles today. With one exception, they all start like a letter, like how you would write a letter. Paul, 
a servant of Christ Jesus, to all who are in Rome. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Peter, an apostle, to God's elect. How did John begin this letter? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. John begins the letter by saying, strap yourself in for a minute, okay? The creator of all humanity became human. We were face to face with God. Now in our flesh. I think we're so used to the idea that Jesus became man. We see him, baby, Jesus in a manger. We don't get that excited. But the Bible that John had, the Old Testament, it taught that no one could see God face to face or he would die instantly. Why? Because God is holy. God is infinite. God is glorious. In fact, the very next thing John says in his letter is God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Perfect, unfiltered, total light. I remember in elementary school, we had an eclipse one day. And so they all took us outside with two pieces, two paper plates. And you put a little pinhole in one and then you hold it up. And you could actually see the reflection of the sun from the eclipse on it. And I remember our teacher kept saying, don't look at the sun, it'll blind you, don't look at the sun. And of course, all the boys that I was with, we, what did we do? We all peeked at the sun, right? <laughs> but only for a second, only for a second. Why? Because the teacher was right. The brilliance of it would fry our retinas if we kept staring at it. Go out today, try it. Not too long. Don't blind. I'm not trying to give you bad advice. Just try it for a second. What does that do to your eyes? Friends, the sun we know would blind us. But friends, that out there that you could stare at and it would blind you is just a dimmest reflection of the effulgence of God. There's a word for you to remember. The effulgence of God. I might not even be saying it right. It's a word that speaks of intense, splendid radiance. Effulgence describes who Jesus was. But John says, but we saw him face to face and we didn't die. It's incredible. That God humbled himself, took on our flesh to our lowly condition in order to save us. That's how much he loves us. John actually also said that Jesus is the eternal life. Well, let me back up. Remember that line? I was actually going to sing that today. Hark the herald angels sing, and then we have a pianist. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. John says that you can know if it's the Spirit of God if you're hearing the Christmas confession, that God humbled himself, took on our flesh in order to come near to us and not destroy us. And John also said that Jesus is the eternal life. Yes, we know God gave us eternal life. That's true. But think about what John says. He 
is. Jesus says, I am eternal life. Every other religion has a prophet who instructs you, here's how you gain eternal life. Here's how you get to heaven. Here's how you can be like God. You have a spark of divinity in you. Here's how you can find it in yourself to climb the mountain, to be a good person, and reach nirvana, heaven, wherever. Every other religion, they have a prophet who tells you this. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, I am eternal life, and I united myself to you. See the difference? Jesus says, the moment you believe in me, you already have eternal life. Your whole future is in front of you. Do you see how utterly unique Jesus Christ is compared to every other prophet? God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 9, Jesus became the atoning sacrifice to pay for our sins, took the white-hot wrath of God so that we could be saved by just by believing. Jesus is utterly unique. You realize Jesus is the only person who ever chose to be born? None of us chose that. He's also the only person who chose to die. He didn't have to. The question is, is that the Jesus who you hear being preached? Jesus is utterly unique, fully God, fully man, the only Savior of sinners. See, there's a lot of preachers out there who will hold up Bibles and they'll preach Jesus to you. The question is, who is the Jesus they're preaching? Is it the, your best life now, Jesus? Is it the, I'm going to scold you to be better, Jesus? Is it the political party, Jesus? Or the only care about social justice, Jesus? If the Jesus preached is a morality preacher or teacher, or is it the better, be the better person, a nicer person, Jesus? Then friends, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. That's the spirit of this world, only focused on this world. I invite us to consider the spirits that we hear as we're entering the Christmas season. And when I say that, I actually thought of Ebenezer Scrooge. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Remember Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol? Now, actually, a story that has a lot to commend to it. It teaches us about charity, the connection between charity and Christmas, right? Do you know that when it first came out, that story, it was proclaimed in newspapers everywhere as a new gospel? 19th century England and America. It teaches you, here's a lesson of the Christmas Carol, that no matter how bad you have been the last year or over the course of your whole life, you can find redemption by simply loosening your purse strings. That's a message, by the way, that American retailers really want you to hear every Christmas time. That's why they put it on every single year. Spend money on others and you can redeem all the bad things you've done. We all know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. His is a spirit-led journey, isn't it? The spirit of Christmas past, present, and future. They all lead him to face his sins, actually take him to his very death, his gravestone. At which point Ebenezer resolves, I'm going to pour myself out, my life out in love to others. I'm going to be a better person. Friends, that's a false gospel. It is not that we forge chains over the course of a life lived badly. It is that we are born in chains and in a state of sin and misery. We're so chained that whatever we do, we cannot contribute one thing towards eternal life. The true spirit of Christmas will not teach you how to be a better person. The Holy Spirit, the true spirit of Christmas, shows you a better person who took our place, Jesus Christ. And he shows us also that because of what Jesus has done, we can now be overcomers in this life 
Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. I just love how John just keeps addressing these dear saints, little children. He loves them. John's an old man, probably the last of the living apostles. And John has witnessed the death of maybe all the other apostles that he knew and was so close with. Maybe many other Christians, he's seen them die at the hands of the lions, stoning, persecution. But they could do that. They could face that because they knew the real Jesus. They saw the real Jesus die and they saw the real Jesus raised from the dead because they had the indwelling spirit in their hearts, God Almighty. They knew because I have the spirit of God, the spirit of truth leading me to the real Jesus, I am actually part of the most powerful people on the planet. You ever think of yourself that way? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the spirit of God which makes you the most powerful person on the planet. Ain't you able to face death, persecution? And some of you may be thinking, Joel, actually, I don't know if I could do that. Just like, that's a bit much, you know, and I really don't feel like an overcomer. Little children, because you have the Holy Spirit, you will be given the grace you need at the moment you need it. You probably don't have it now in you, but you'll be given the grace you need when you need it. I needed to hear this this morning. I needed to hear this this week. So I'm sitting with pastors of churches of 2,000 people. We got 34 members. <laughs> As I look out and I see all these churches around that are just packed with folks. False Christ is being, Christ's being preached in these pulpits. Guess what? This is a good message for you. You're an overcomer because you haven't been swept in. Because you keep coming back here because you know the real Jesus is here. You're hearing the real Jesus. And you're trusting in him, your life. And you don't have to be with the world. Yeah, the world listens to them. But you're an overcomer in him. We don't need to be of the world, worldly people who have no life in them. And then John concludes our text by saying something that yeah, I find pretty profound. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John sets himself out in front of everybody among all the false prophets and says, we're from God, we're the only ones standing on a solid rock, the truth. That's pretty bold, don't you think? John says, if you don't listen to me and the apostles, you're not from God. John isn't very tolerant, is he? <laughs> How would you think he'd be accepted today? Any other teacher, any other teaching? But John was one of Jesus' hand-picked apostles. And friends, the apostles are the very foundation of the church. There's many false prophets that have come since. But the apostles, the apostles' teaching that Jesus gave to them, they're the ones that know. Everything else is false. And not only that, if you don't listen to the apostles, you're not good with God. You must accept their teachings about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus' person and work, 
You must believe and receive their theology. You must receive and believe their doctrine. And I use those words deliberately as I come to wrap this up because folks don't like words like doctrine. Folks don't like words like theology today. Doctrine divides. Theology, that's all this heady high stuff. Perhaps you're not yet Christian and you're checking us out today. Friends, whoever you are, if you're not yet a Christian, you do actually have a theology. You have a doctrine. You believe in, even if you don't think you have one. I meet folks regularly who say, I don't believe in God. Or folks who say, well, I just take a lot of spirituality from different religions, whatever, the things that work best for me. That's real popular today. And then you have the other people, I just choose to be a good person, and I know it'll work out for me. You know what those are? All of those are theologies. All those are doctrines. A theology, a doctrine, is whatever you're choosing to believe and bank your entire life on. That's what a doctrine, a theology is. Even if you're an atheist, even if you're agnostic who says, well, you just, I can't even know. That's a faith belief that you're banking your eternity on. That's a faith belief. And John says, hey, we didn't come up with this on our own. Every one of us, in fact, are being led by a spirit. A spirit is leading you into that doctrine, that theology. And he's saying the veil between the material world and the spiritual is paper thin. And one day it's going to be ripped and we're going to see the greater reality. John is saying, if you listen to us, and I hope you do, you're being led by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. If you don't listen, you're being led by the spirit of error, a spirit of error. And the word for error is planeo in the Greek. It's where we get the word planet from. And sailors in John's day would navigate how to get to safe harbor, to safety, to where they want to get by using the stars. These were the shining lights in the skies, right? And then you have your charts by which you would measure. But you would occasionally see these shining lights in the stars, in the sky, that were not stars. They're planets. And they would go all over the place. And if you follow one of them, what's going to happen? It's going to lead you astray. That's why sailors kept their eyes upward on the stars to keep track and careful notes of their charts, keeping their eyes on the charts, see if everything's where it should be so they could get where they had to go. Constantly going over their charts, keeping their eyes fixed on the skies. Friends, that is why every week we have a new catechism question to study. We've got 52 of them, one a week, that I hope that we're learning these. Every week we recite the Apostles' Creed. That's why we're going through our confession on Sunday mornings. We constantly have to keep reviewing what is true and fixed and keeping our eyes fixed on who Jesus is, his person and work. That's how we will get safely to where we want to go. And if you're a not yet Christian, I would invite you to study what the apostles taught. It's actually coming up on Christmas time. It feels like an early Advent today, but the text led us there. And you can discover what it means that God became man. Read the gospel accounts, Matthew and Luke. Read John 1. Discover who Jesus truly is, and then set up a Bible reading plan this next year. You can read through the whole Bible in a year. And I ask you, I challenge you to come to know your Bible so well, come to know the apostles' teaching so well, that at least in the end, 
If you decide to walk away and reject it, you will actually know what you're rejecting. Come to know it so well that at least you'll know what you're choosing to reject. And please let me know, because I'm going to get some folks praying for you at the same time, that you might discover the true spirit of Christmas. And I trust that if you do that, and we're praying for you, that you'll discover that the Christian faith, the Christian faith from God, is what actually makes sense of everything else in this material world. C.S. Lewis once said, and I close with this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. May that be true of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to give you thanks for sending your son for Christmas. Jesus, thank you for entering into our world and humbling yourself to our lowly frames that our lowly frames might be saved, both body and soul. We ask and pray that you will help us to be more diligent in our study of your word and taking in the apostles' teaching. Help us to discern the spirits of error around us. And I also ask and pray that you'll be transforming us and reminding us by the spirit of truth you've given that we are overcomers, overcomers in Jesus Christ. And help us to do that as we go out into the world to be those people who are from God, who actually stand upon the firm truth. And I pray that you might give us opportunities to share the good news with others, especially this Christmas time. That they might come to discover the good news, which is better than the best news that this world could offer. Or maybe they've heard the good news, but they've misunderstood it because the gospel is the best news that we could ever hear. And we thank you for it. Help us to stay grounded in it, we pray in Jesus' name.